Amen. Peace of Christ, Oak College. Happy Friday. Welcome. Um, it's great to see you. We've got some guests here that are checking out Hope College. We want to welcome you to be here. We hope you have a great visit. And if you're looking at where to go to college, I don't know if there's a better place for you than Hope. Um, so we just want to, want to invite you to be here. Uh, a couple notices real quick. Um, if you are going on an immersion trip, there is a uh, immersion trip fundraising meeting next Wednesday. Uh, 6 to 7 p.m. at the New Campus Ministry House. Be there. I also want to call attention this Sunday at the gathering. Jill Nelson will be preaching. You will not want to miss that. And then we've only got one more gathering after that, and that's going to be our praise and prayer night where we're recording our CD. So it's just a night of singing. So I want to invite you out for that as well. Uh, it'll be so fun. And isn't college fun? It's just great. Like this weekend, I... Uh, women's bass, uh, volleyball, they're, they're having fun. They're in the tournament. We got a football team that's playing for their conference title. We got a women's basketball, I think, has got a tournament. We got men and women swimming and diving. We've got cross-country meets going on. Am I missing anything? Yeah. What? Soccer tournament. We got soccer going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And boys. Hey, let's get her done. I mean, I'm not supposed to say this. We're in church. We're in chapel. God doesn't take sides. But all I'm going to say is this. All I'm going to say is this. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a God of hope. That's all. It's for hope all the time. All right? That's what the preacher says. Hope. Not a better name for a college. And not a better virtue for a Christian. Hope is what I want to talk about today the foundation, the governing dynamics of hope, how you get hope, how you nurture hope, what hope can be. To do that, I want to invite you into the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. Hear the word of the Lord, the bush that burns and is never consumed. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, a mere two miles away, and many of the Jews had come out to see Martha and Mary and console them about their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, he went out, she went out to meet him while Mary stayed at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know, I, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will not die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. There are moments that happen in life that you don't forget. It happens to nations in America. We think of December 6, 1944, Pearl Harbor, or we think of April 4, 1968, the assassination of Martin Luther King Day, or we think of September 11th, um, 2001 when the towers fell, 
days that are seared into the conscience, almost branded into you, into your memory. Personally, we have those days too. For me, I remember it was November 10th, 1987. I remember that on that day I had a field trip for a student congress, so I was away from school all day, and I got dropped off, and my mom picked me up, and I got home, and when I got home, the phone rang. This is, uh, I grew up in an era where the phone rang in the house. It was called a landline. It had a rotisserie. The phone rang, and my mom answered it, and I heard a gasp. And there was a long silence. She put the phone down, and she called me to the couch. And she said it very plainly, very calmly, John Draper died. John was one of my friends, one of my baseball buddies. This was him. Here, that's a young trigger there. We ran with the same crew of friends. We were both 13 years old. John died, she said. I couldn't really compute it. I couldn't really understand what happened. Apparently he was running late. School bus came and it was pulling out because he wasn't there and John was hustling and he jumped over the ditch and tripped and fell underneath the bus and instantly was killed. I kept saying to my mom, I don't understand. I just talked to him yesterday. There are moments in life when you have to grow up fast. This was one of mine. To see my friends, to know that my friend wasn't going to be there. I sat right next to him in school. So hard. It was one of those moments, November 10th, 1987, that I just don't forget. I'm thinking of it this week because we just passed November 10th and a lot of my friends from this team um, were all shooting uh, Facebook and email texts. This was John, his little cousin. This is where he lies now. I remember at the funeral, it was the first time I had gone to a funeral for a friend. And I remember sitting in the pew and beginning to ask those questions that don't have any really easy answers, particularly for a young 13-year-old. But not just for a 13-year-old, they're the same if you're 37 or 77. What, what happens when you die? Is this just blimping out of existence? Is John gone? Will I ever see him again? Questions that are uncomfortable to ask, so we don't ask them. We keep them locked down in the basement of our soul. I remember at the funeral, the preacher spoke on this text. John 11, verse 25 and 26. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who believes in me will never die. It's a staggering claim. Staggering claim. And it challenged then 
my 13-year-old conception of Christianity and my 46-year-old conception of Christianity at times. You know that vision of Christianity that says it's just about trying to be a good person, trying to make a, go to chapel, go to the gathering, do the Bible study, do the prayer, just a checkbox thing in order to be a good person. The whole point is to be moral. That's what God wants. And as long as I can check that off my boss, we're good, we're cool. And that's fine. I think God wants us to be good people. But what if just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, this whole thing about Christianity is more than just being good for life, but maybe that God came to give us life. On November 10th, 1987, I needed more. I needed more than just a behavioral code. I needed more than a set of practices and principles to be a better me and Jesus as a self-help formula. I needed I needed a God to show up and give me hope. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Christianity gets off the rails when we reduce it to just a set of behaviors and morality. Christianity is reduced when we have a reduced God, and a reduced God leads to a reduced life. And what I love about Jesus is that he shows up again and again and again, and he rips up the floorboards of our soul, and where we keep all of the dark doubts, all of the existential pain, all of the questions that we don't want to ask, down in that deep place where there is no light, and Jesus rips it up, and he speaks into it, and his light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. That's why I love these I am statements. There's seven of them in John. We're kind of working our way through them. Jesus says, I am God. I am the resurrection and the life. He is the one who holds the keys of life and death. He's the one who controls the governing dynamics of the soul for everyone. In him is life. That's what Jesus cares about is life. He wants you to be good, yes, but he wants more than just you to be a good person. He wants you to be his person. He wants to share his life with you. In the context of this, we find Jesus going to Bethany where his good friend Lazarus has died and he's confronted by his sister. And in that confrontation, we hear both a scolding and an honoring. Lord, if you had been here, you wouldn't have died. Why didn't you come, Jesus? Why weren't you here? Why didn't you save him? Why did you leave me all alone? Have you ever felt that sense of loneliness? And then she says, God will give whatever you ask. I know he will. And Jesus says he will rise again. I know she blows it off. I know in the resurrection of the last day. No, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. I am. You see, Jesus doesn't want us to see a set of behaviors. He wants us to see him a person. Jesus wants to give us more than a way to have a good life. He wants to give us life in him. And he makes the staggering promise. And it's the promise that I want to give to you because I think this promise is the governing dynamic of hope. I think this promise is something that you can take with you wherever you go in life so that when you have that day, 
you will remember that those who believe in him will never die. What Jesus is saying so clearly that it confronts us with a consequence that is soul-shuddering is that there is more life after death in him. He is saying clearly that if you are in him, you do not blimp out of existence, that death is not a nothingness. He is saying clearly that in him there is life. Staggering, isn't it? This claim. Staggering. Amazing. Could this be true? In the really real sense that something is true, that that promise is for you and for me and for the mom and dad and brother and sister of John Draper. Jesus leaves us with this question, do you believe this? And that's the question. Do you believe this? You see, that's the key to the hope, to believe, to trust. You see, Christianity is more than just trying to be good. Christianity is about trusting God, not only in life, but also in death. For even in death, God is giving us his life. As the old saying goes, I believe that I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the key. He is the resurrection. He is the life. Which is why when I heard the preacher on that first funeral of mine say Jesus is the resurrection and the life, I could also feel a little stirring of hope speaking to my dark questions. He was saying, yes, yes, there will be a day, maybe, Trig. There will be a day where you and John will play catch again. There will be a day because John is still alive. I have him and I have you. As you launch into this weekend of fun, may you do so with the hope of the living God that is for you, that is with you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.